Hey friends, if you ever wanted to pray and connect with God, but were just unsure about where to start, our guest today shares her journey with God through prayer and offers a helpful place to find some starting words. You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 322, Susie Eller and Getting Started with Prayer. Welcome back to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. We try to answer that question. What's it really like living a life in the 21st century with the Lord? And uh, we're going to get into that. We do every single episode. I'm glad you're here for it because I know it will encourage you. When it does, would you do me a favor? Just shoot a text to a friend or tell a family member share the show on social media. That's always helpful as well. Uh, it's the best compliment you can give us. If you're interested and you have the the wherewithal, you want to support us financially, you can do that halfway there, podcast.com. Hit that Patreon button. And uh, as always, thank you for those of you who are already helping us keep the show running. It actually does help pay for all the stuff, websites and hosting and things you probably don't even know it takes to uh, produce a podcast. All right. I'm excited to dive straight into this conversation. Our guest um, is highly esteemed and I can't wait to have a conversation with her. She's an author and podcaster. She got a new book called Prayer Starters, talking with God about hard times and then also the Prayer Starters podcast, which I think is very uh, cool as well. I love that application of podcasting. Our guest is Susie Eller. Susie, welcome to Halfway There. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited to have you too. And uh, I know that uh, you are a creator because this is not your first book, is it? No, it's, I think it's number 12. Yeah, right. Yeah, I know you've been, you've been writing for a while and um, that uh, you, you're in Christian Podcasters Association and I've heard lots of great things about you. So I'm excited to hear your story today. Uh, give us just an idea. There's obviously a lot more to you than author and podcaster. So tell, to give us an idea of where God has you right now and kind of what, uh, what where, where you are. Yeah. So I, I was with a ministry called Proverbs 31 for 14 years uh, with Lisa Turkhurst as a speaker and writer. And you know, it's funny. Um, I left there about three years ago and it's, it's one thing to leave an organization that you're mad at. It's another thing to leave one that you love. <laughs> and I loved them. So I've been in this place of just obedience, of seeing where God has me. And, and what I love, Eric, is that um, our call doesn't have to do with a specific organization or even where we're at. It's just showing up daily, listening for the voice of God and saying yes over and over again. And so that's where I'm at. I'm in a place of just showing up daily listening for his voice and saying yes. And, and that's a lot of fun. Boy, I love that. Absolutely. Our call is all about just saying yes and having the practices, I think, to listen, right. Yeah. To just at, to remember to ask, I go back to this all the time. The Kings, the good Kings in the old Testament were the ones who asked, right. Yes. The ones who listened. Yeah. Even if <laughs> and, it was painful, you know, even that, if the questions were hard. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. And the same thing happens in the New Testament as well. So uh, that is certainly our job. Okay, well, that's that's interesting. I want to hear more about your story, how you got into um, all those things. So let's go back, and uh, I'd love to know where did you grow up, where are you from, and was it a Christian family? 
No, no. Um, I grew up in, um, at the time, a really fractured family and things were, things were tough and I didn't know God. I didn't know anything about God or the Bible. Uh, I remember a, a group of teenagers coming to my door one time and knocking on the door and wanting to tell me about Christ. And man, I wish I could go back and find them, <laughs> you know, because my reception to them at the time, I was an angry teenager in a dysfunctional yeah. home. And my response was not kind. Uh, if I could go back and just say, you know, thank you. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for caring enough. Um, I became a believer in my late teens. Uh, I became a seeking, hungry believer that wanted to know about God. And um, I think that in many ways, and this is going to sound interesting, but I don't, I'm not sad that I didn't grow up in church. It's such a privilege. It's mm. something that I wanted to give to my own kids. But there was such a difference between not knowing Christ and knowing Christ. Like it was never about church for me. It was about Jesus. And mm. so in that way, it was just such a profound impact on my life that it has stayed with me decades later. Yeah. How'd that happen? What, what was the story? How'd you, how'd you find Christ in your so, late teens? Somebody else knocked on my door. Um, <laughs> I had a friend who uh, lived across the street. She was a couple of years older than I was. And she would knock on the door constantly, you know, Susie, why don't you come to church with me? Why don't you come to youth group with me? And <clears throat> every single time it was like, you know, no, absolutely not. She was like a mosquito, like she, she didn't <laughs> give up. And so there came a time and I thought, you know, if I go with her, maybe um, she'll back off. And, and so I went and I remember literally standing at the back of the church. I didn't even go in all the way, but I went, I, I stood at the back of the church and I felt something. And it wasn't just that I was intrigued. I, I was mad because if God was real, then that meant that he hadn't shown up in my home where there was mm. such chaos and hurt. And so I kind of challenged him. It was like, okay, if you're real, like I'm really mad at you. But I also felt him and knew that somehow I mattered to him. And that was kind of the day I, I continued to go with my friend and people loved me well and discipled me. And there came that moment where Jesus and I became, you know, we, we formed that relationship. And I've been running after him ever since. Yeah. How did you resolve that tension with him? You know, I, first of all, I said it. <laughs> I, I think that we, that we sometimes hold back things because God is God. And yet I think we need to say those things because God is God, you know, for me to say my next door neighbor's family is not like my family. Why do we go through what we go through? Um, do you see this? Do you see how hard it is? Um, I, I think that that's like David standing out and crying out in the wilderness, you know, God is big enough. Not only that, um, how do we find the answers to those things or resolve them in our own heart unless we wrestle through with them. And so for me, wrestling is part of my faith and it always has been. Wow. Okay. 
I love that because I think it's so true, right? So there's a couple stories that I go back to over and over again. I already mentioned the Kings, but one of the other ones that's my favorite is um, stories like Abraham, right? Wrestling with God and going back and negotiating with God about, you know, Lot and where he is or, or Moses does the same thing. And there, there's so many examples uh, where we're taught. I mean, I, is it, is it Isaac that means the one who wrestles with God? Israel. It's Israel that means the one who wrestles with God, right? Like it's all over scripture if we just look for it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, and I think that unless we wrestle out those hard questions, then our faith is somebody else's faith. Our faith is wow. somebody else's doctrine, somebody else's teaching over our life. That when we wrestle through those things, we're wrestling our way to the cross, you know? And, yeah. and, and for me, I never want to hold back. I don't want to hold back in worship. I don't want to hold back in conversation, even though there are times I have no words to say. I don't want to wrestle. I want to wrestle through and, and know that God bends to listen. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, you're already bringing the, uh, the, the big truth bombs. I love it. So that's fantastic. Thank <laughs> you. All right. So let's go. So, th- so you find Christ and you, you have this tension. I'm curious how working through that tension with God early shaped your story. And so maybe, maybe at some other point it becomes obvious or maybe you, you reflect back on it, but where did that take you from there? And where, where, how did you grow in Christ? You said you were hungry you know, yeah. teen and like, how did you grow in Christ? Did you have mentors, books, you know, scriptures, something that really encouraged you? The fact that I was a teenager is, is part of this story in that um, I just blundered in. Um, I wanted to know more. I made a ton of mistakes, I think. Um, but I also think that there was grace for me. And so I, ha- I did have people that shaped me, imperfect people within the church who loved me. Well, I look back as an adult and I see that there were just ordinary people that opened their homes and it probably seemed like no big deal to them to have a bunch of teenagers over on Friday night for popcorn and, you know, toilet papering the yards and, and those kind of things. But see, what I was seeing was like a kid in a candy store. I was watching and I was seeing normalcy. I was seeing uh, a a man and his wife opening their home and having fun and getting on to us gently, you know. Um, I I went back to a 50th anniversary of two of those people. And I remember sitting down and trying to explain to them, you know, hey, I just wanna, I want you to know how you impacted my life. And they were like, oh, Susie. Like we didn't do anything. We didn't leave any kind of mark like we Mm. wanted to. We just had kids over on Friday night, you know, it was brownies and popcorn. And I thought, well, brownies and popcorn. (laughs) Don't know what normalcy was. Brownies and popcorn uh, gave me a safe place to be every Friday night. Brownies and popcorn shaped a Bible teacher who would one day write 12 books, travel around the world and talk about Jesus and, and do two podcasts and raise a family who knew Jesus. Brownies and popcorn are pretty powerful. Wow. Amen. Friends, don't miss that. I think sometimes it's easy to go, hey, if I want to have a ministry, I have to be the person on stage. I have to be the person who is speaking or has this big platform and can reach millions of people. But what if your job is to reach 
one or two or a handful of kids, right? I can look back at my life as well to the mentors who, uh, like I, some of my parents' friends, I still call aunt and uncles, right? Because they were so, they just were around our life and they taught my Sunday school classes and it matters. Like don't underestimate how valuable that is to just simply show up for one another. That's the body of Christ, not the big show on Sunday, the care and concern and living life together. Oh, I love that. Okay, Susie, that's amazing. (laughs) So you, so you're, so you're, had some mentors and people who showed up for you. Where'd you go after, you know, eventually you graduated? Where'd you, where'd you go and how'd that, uh, you know, what was the next season? like? So I was on my own at 17. Uh, Home was still dysfunctional. And um, I ended up getting a really small scholarship to a small school. And there I met my future husband. So I'm married pretty young at 20 years old. And even then, you know, here I am just a couple of years into my faith life. And I was so hungry to know the Bible. And so I began to read and to study. And and it felt like everybody else around me, you know, like they've been, they came out of the womb and they knew the Bible. That's what it felt like. Um, So I began to really study. But I also began to take small steps to uh, I think there's always been a, a teacher in me of some sort. So mm-hmm. just had opportunities to sit with other believers and to learn, but also to begin to teach a little bit uh, teenagers. And I was always drawn to the angry teenager sitting on the back row who wanted nothing to do with any of it. Um, those were the kids that I always loved a lot. And so I did that for a really long time. Uh, when I was, um, about 40. So for any of you who say, okay, God can only use me in my 20s, 40 is where um, the doors begin to open in different types of ministry. But I had had breast cancer at 31 and um, stage three. And here we were, we were past that. And I'd always wanted to write And so I left my job that I was in at that point and I began to write. And so that's been 20 plus years ago. Okay. So I've got to ask about that. Was it, um, was it because you had this sort of this cancer and and this kind of uh, serious health diagnosis that you started writing? Like it was something you wanted to do and you were putting off and then you were like, (laughs) Oh, I got to do this. I think we always live in the one day, one day, because I've been saying one day I'm going to write for years and years, but I was raising my kiddos. You know, I was, I was, I was busy being um, all those things. I also worked, I wrote in my job. I worked at an engineering firm and my whole job was to write presentations and proposals uh, one thing I knew for sure after I survived, because my chances of survival were really low with stage three cancer as a young woman. One thing that I knew is I didn't want to write another word about wastewater treatment plants, because that's what I'd been writing about <laughs> for right. such, you know, or road projects, or I wanted to write about things that really mattered to me. Did you wrestle with God when you had cancer? Was that, uh, you know, was that like? I was, man, it, it was stage three. Um, I was doing chemo, radiation, had surgery, uh, went through menopause before my mom did because of surgery. Um, 
I was just trying to survive at that point. I was also mm. wrapped really well by people who were loving me well. Um, my concern also was for my kiddos because they were they were little, right? And so the, I don't. I wouldn't say that wrestling happened. I would say clarity happened there mm. okay. because I came out on the other side of it, um, thinking, okay, these are the things that really matter to me, and I don't want to invest five minutes in some of these other things that have been consuming. Yeah, that makes sense. You came out on the other side with clarity. I can see that. Um, it's interesting because for some people, yeah, I mean, obviously cancer is a crisis, but it's like you'd already kind of found God through crisis. And so right. you you maybe had a sense of his presence already. Oh, so much. Uh, where yeah. some of us, you know, we have a big crisis like that. And we, if you haven't, then it's like that's the time when they wrestle with God. Sure. Sure. And, and again, wrestling is part of our faith and is part of our journey. And it happens at different places for different people. We're just all so different. Yeah, absolutely. Which is the whole point of the show. That's what we're, that's <laughs> what, what we're trying to say, right? You, no matter where you go in the journey or you, all the way through the journey, uh, God is there and it, yeah. it's normal. And so yeah. we just have to go through it. So, okay. So you do that and uh, you start writing and then what, so how does that, how does it take off for you? Yeah. You know, and I had been writing for a long time. Like I said, in my work, I was writing, but about things that I didn't love. Uh, but I was also writing. I was, I was journaling. I was writing. Um, and so I decided that I was going to leave my job, which was a huge step for me. Um, job, my job was security. And I, I didn't just do that overnight. I did that over a series of time. But my first step was I went to a writer's conference and I remember showing up and thinking that there were two camps of people at this writer's conference. There was everybody else who knew about writing and then there was me. (laughs) And so, and it was like a fire hose. I learned so much that day, but also enough that it was almost discouraging. It was so, so much. But I thought if I can just start somewhere, And I started by just going to a local writer's club that was at that time in Tulsa. I would drive a couple of hours and I would go once a month, meet with other writers, start learning. And then I started submitting my work. And so even though I've written 12 books, uh, you know, I've, I've written hundreds of articles and articles is where I started. So I began querying and sending out articles. And I remember my first uh, acceptance. I think I got $10. I'm not sure. Um, (laughs) And a byline. And then I started writing for a local newspaper. I did a column for them. But I just started gently putting out, you know, submissions and queries and started learning the process. You know, for if you have any writers listening, and I'm sure you do. We always think that writing, the, the beautiful part of writing is what we get to do all the time. It's not. It's such a small sliver of the pie. You know, right. if you have, have a pie, I would say 80% is non-writing. It's the business of writing. It's the marketing. It's, it's all that goes with it. And then you get to write in there too. Yep. Hundred percent. So uh, I told my daughter's a writer. She wants to. She wants awesome. to be a writer, and she's studying English in college right now. And she, I t- this is what I told her. I said, "Look, you, yes, you can write, learn the craft, 
but also you got to learn the business, right? 100%. Because it's a business and you had just have to learn how to do that. So I hear you saying you dove in trying to learn all the, all the business and how can you get, how do writers get paid? It's not always when they write a big best-selling book, right? There's a lot of right. other, other writing that goes on in, in journals and all kinds of places. So you, you were doing that. How long did you do that? Um, as far as, I don't know, I started in 2000 and I'm still doing it. So, as, <laughs> okay, you know, uh, it, it, it ne- you never stop learning. You never stop growing. Um, never start stretching. You know, I started with articles, then I went into books and articles and blogging. Uh, now I do two podcasts. Uh, all of those had learning curves. And, and I look forward yeah. to learning what's next, you know, but what's funny about podcasting, uh, Eric, is that I, I'm such a, I, I'm not a, I, I speak, I teach, I've traveled, I've got to travel around the world, just, which is such a privilege. But I'm a writer who speaks 100%. A lot of my friends are yeah. speakers who write. So when I started podcasting, I didn't realize that I would love it as much or more than writing. I mean, that has been a huge surprise to me. Yeah. What do you love about it? You know, I, I think what I love most about it is, well, I do two very different podcasts with more than small talk. I do that, that with Holly Groth and Jennifer Watson. We're also both authors and speakers and all the things. I think what I love about it is it expands the bubble. You know, we can we can live in a bubble of our own making, of our own experience, and then try to minister out of that bubble. Um, this podcasting has burst the bubble a thousand different ways for me. One is it's global. So I have to go in understanding who my audience is. Um, and I say that word audience that feels cold, who my friend is on the other side of the table. Right. You know, who who she yep. is. And she may live in New Jersey, she may live in New Delhi. Um, and and I need to I need to go in with that understanding. And the second thing is, is um, even within the circle of three, there are times that I'll approach something and I see the way it lands, say in Holly's heart, and I need to take a step back and understand why. And, and so it, it's been just really, it's been a growth process for me. And I love that. Yeah. I always say podcasting is as much about personal growth as it is about audience growth, right? Yes. Yes, so, it is. And people are honest. They'll tell you what they're thinking, so you yep. know, which is, uh, I love and embrace and it's good. And, you know, there are times that we get these wonderful comments back. We passed a million downloads in September, which again, blows me away because, um, we love what we do and we're not going in for the numbers except for they mean faces and names, but we hear from people who say this really helped in this area, Susie. We also hear from people who say, Hey, listen, Here's some things that you're saying that I think you need to take a step back and maybe look at it a little deeper. And I love that too. Yeah. I hear you saying you got to have a little bit of humility, right? A lot of humility. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you can tell when it's not, that's the thing is, and and I'm looking at my own heart. I'm not looking at anybody else. Uh, There's this trap that we can fall into that it becomes all about us. 
And I think that's a really dangerous trap because then we get in that bubble and we're speaking from that bubble and um, our words just being around our head in that bubble. And I don't know the impact that we're making. Yes, absolutely. It's one of those things that I think is, it's both the absolute genius and brilliance of, and the pleasure of the internet, right? That we get to meet and and interact with so many people around the world. Your voice ministers to people around the world. I know this show gets downloaded yes. around the world. It it's blows me away. We so we're we're at about 600,000 downloads. That's and that awesome. if you had told me that That's in 2016, I, I would never have been right like, like yeah. wow, amazing. Okay. Uh but then there's there's this uh temptation I think to celebrity culture, right? There's sort of yeah. a Christian celebrity culture well, that can be Mm-hmm. Yes, that can that can make you feel like oh if I don't keep doing all the things or if I, you know, whatever it can be really really challenging. So how do you deal with that? You know, um, I hold it really loosely. So if tomorrow I sense the Lord, like I did when I was with Proverbs, if I sense the Lord saying this season is ended, um, I'm going to be willing to put it down. And mm. if I'm holding tightly, then it's about me and not about him. So I just hold it really lightly. You know, you were asking about the things I loved about podcasting. Uh, I, tar- I started Prayer Starters podcast, not because of the book. The book was already in the works. But I started Prayer Starters podcast because prayer had always been something when I was younger and knew in my faith that was a struggle. But as I talked with women they begin to say, hey, it's a struggle for me. And I've been walking with the Lord for 30 years. And so the beauty of what I'm finding in the podcast is that there's there's times I'm alone in that booth. And I'm not with Holly and Jennifer anymore because that's a different podcast, but I'm hanging yep. out with the Holy Spirit. And there's times that I'm in that booth and we're do, I'm doing uh, the podcast and I sense God so close. And it's like, yes this is going to minister to someone else, but Hey, Mm. let me, let me talk to your heart for a moment. And so I love that. I love that. I get to do that. So tell me about prayer and how that developed for you in your life. I think I'll tell you why I'm asking the question first. I am convinced like when I, when I was a kid, Prayer, there were two answers to every spiritual, to every problem, really. Read your Bible and pray, right? Like that was it. That was all anybody ever did. And then, uh, but we didn't really have a lot to draw from in terms of like, nobody told you how to do those things. It was very, so I say I went to college to learn the Bible, got a degree in biblical studies. I went to seminary to learn how to pray and study spiritual formation. Yeah. and it was there for me that I started to get exposed to more traditions, more ideas about prayer, about yes. that it's not just me asking God for things. Maybe it's listening. Maybe it's uh, saying, God, this is what's on my heart, whatever it is. Um, there were So that was where it came from for me. Where did it come from for you? And how did you kind of start to develop that? Yeah. Well, I remember asking people that I really um, admired, how do you pray? And some of the answers that I got were were beautiful, but some were also like, well, you have to do A plus B and it will equal C. You know, these formulaic, right. uh, if you do one, two, three. And, and I just, I wanted so much more than that. 
I definitely wanted um, to connect with God. I had read in the word, the power of prayer. I had read that he bends to listen. I had read that prayer is an incense before him. I had read all of these things, but I didn't want to just read it. I wanted to encounter prayer. I wanted to encounter Christ and on a personal level. And so I began to journal because maybe that's because I'm a writer. I think we're also individual, but I just began to write. And as I would study, maybe that there was a scripture that would leap from the page. And I, you know, if you're listening, if you've ever had that and you're, you're reading the word and, and a, a verse just would come to mind or that verse would leap from the page, we often take a moment and we'll highlight it and then we keep going. Well, I started pausing in those moments and saying, is there a chance, God, that you're wanting to talk to me? Because I talk to you all day long. <laughs> you know, I talk to you in my car. I talk to you as I'm raising my kids and I'm standing in the room saying I don't have a clue what to do. I mean, I'm, I'm talking to you all day long. But is there a chance you want to talk to me too? And there's many ways he does that. But one is the word. And so I started pausing in those moments and saying, if there's a pause, maybe this can become a deep breath of prayer. Maybe there's something more here. And I started studying out those, those pause moments, those scriptures. And I would, I would just ask God, Lord, is there something for me here? Is there a cup of this for me in my everyday life? And the answer wasn't always yes, but a lot of times there was, Eric. And those became prayer starters in my, in my journal. You know, uh, maybe there was a scripture uh, where it shows the character of God or it showed something about who Jesus was or it showed something about faith in, in a new way. And then I would turn around and say, okay, Lord, um, for example, I'll, I'll just give an example. You know, you have the prodigal father running toward the son, his robes up over his ankles. And here's this son, his head down. He, he feels like there's no redemption for him. And maybe that day um, I carried a pattern over from my past into my relationship with my children. And I'm being myself up and thinking I will never be a good mom. <laughs> it's, it's one of my greatest desires. And I think to myself, that becomes a prayer starter where I say, Lord, man, I'm standing here and I'm beating myself up. I've made a mistake. I don't know what to do. But Lord, if I turn to you instead of away, you run toward me. You see in me those things I don't see in myself. You will grow me. You know, and those became these journals and journals and journals of walking through the word and just talking to God through it. Yeah, man, I love that. Love that. I think that's how it comes to pass is just spending the time, spending the the energy, um, and, and then coming with that open heart that I hear you describing, yeah. right? And just being okay. Well, yeah. And just showing up. I mean, that's the thing. We're not, not always going to have the words that just show up is a, a really powerful um, road or path to connection with God because you know, I love in Matthew 6, 8, where it says he knows what we need before we even ask. That takes all the pressure off, which is awesome. 
And yeah. the truth is there are times that we show up and we, we might not want to show up because number one, we don't have the eloquence or number two, we don't show up because we can't even articulate to ourselves what we want to say, uh, much less to God. But when we show up, so does he. <laughs> and right there, whether we walk away having been able to spill out everything to God, to worship him in that moment, or to talk to him, or to weep in his presence, whatever it is, or maybe we just know that he met us there too. That's enough. That's sufficient. And that's faith changing. Absolutely. It's so incredibly powerful. Um, and incidentally, when you have a chance to be with people in those moments as well, right? Yeah. Th those can also become really powerful community uh, builders. So and it's the way we're called to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Eric, just, I lost my brother, my little brother a week ago, and I am deep. I have collided with grief. And, yeah. you know, what was interesting is two days after he passed, I realized that I was to video some Bible curriculum. It was on the calendar, and I thought, how in the world am I going to do this? But I showed up, and what I love is they immediately said, we don't have to do this. I said, no, let's do this. Let's go ahead. But what I loved is two of my brothers in Christ just walked up, wrapped their arms around me, and just mourned with me, <laughs> prayed with me. And there is power in that. There really, really is. And we may shy away because we feel like that maybe we'll do the wrong thing. Um, I think the Holy Spirit will guide us, you know, but just I don't think they know the impact that that had on me that day. It was it was beautiful. It was healing. Yeah. Wow. Community is healing, right? Yeah. When it's when it's right, it is healing. When it's right, when it's healthy, it's good. Yeah. Wow. I love that. Okay. I want to know, I wanted to ask about this. Um, and so this is all great, but I want to know how'd you end up at Proverbs 31 and, and then how did that uh, develop? Okay. Kind of your, yeah. yeah. It, it always sounds, it's, it's going to sound like I'm always stumbling into stuff. I'm really not. God just, <laughs> <laughs> God's just gracious with me, I guess. But so I was speaking at a conference called Hearts at Home in Normal, Illinois. And this has been 15 years ago. And it just so happened that at that same conference was some of the staff uh, from Proverbs 31 Ministries. And someone heard me speak and they came up later and said, hey, we're from Proverbs 31 Ministries. We don't normally do this. Uh, but we would love to talk to you about maybe joining our team. And again, I was, I was fairly new in ministry at that time as far as that part of ministry. And I remember thinking, well, I live here and they live there. You know, North Carolina is a long way, ways away. Uh, I don't know how I will do that. You know what's funny, Eric, is I had been praying. You know, Lord, I don't want to <laughs> fly solo. I don't want to fly solo put people around me to sharpen me, put people around me that will help sharpen, you know, these gifts, this path that you have me on, because I feel like there's so much I need to learn. 
And I actually at that time turned them down, but they still extended an invitation for me to come to She Speaks, which was their national conference for speakers and to speak there. And so I did. And I remember walking into the embassy suites in Winston, uh, Salem, North Carolina, and thinking I have made a terrible mistake by saying no. Like it was a total answer to prayer, God. And I just shot it down. So I went to, after the conference was over, I went to one of the the women who had approached me and I said, I don't expect you to re-extend the offer, um, but I do want to apologize. Like, I'm really sorry. I've been praying for this. I've been asking God for this. And all I saw was the obstacles. So I said, no, and I'm sorry for that. Thank you for your faith in me. And they re-extended the offer because what they said, they said, well, When we talked about it, we said, we really felt God in it. And if God is in it, she'll say yes, whether it's today or later. And so I was with them for 14 years. Wow. What did you do there? So I did a lot of things there. One is I helped write devotions. They they have a devotional team that um, writes devotions that go out across the world. Uh, I I was on their international team. I got to go to India and work with women uh, who uh, were learning how to read and to do some things there. I was one of their uh, writers in other areas. Uh, I worked with their first five team. Um, I worked with Compel. So I worked with writers for seven years, training and teaching. And then I was one of their speakers. So I did a lot of things. And, Interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. Love, love, loved it. Still do. I, I'll tell you what. So, Compel is their um, membership, right? For writers. Yes. yes. So, I got a chance to see Lisa uh, Turkhurst at uh, what was the name of that thing? There's like a conference in Nashville every year for mm-hmm. Christian book book uh, writers and publishers, and I got to go and talk about podcasting in 2019. Yeah. In Nashville, it was fantastic. And I spoke in the room like before her, like two hours, two hours later, she was speaking. It was amazing. I was like, that's, that's cool. Not that it has any bearing on, on me at all, but yeah. I just thought it was cool. And uh, it was one of the most amazing presentations I've ever yeah. seen. She talked then, she talked like it to the big group later, but her way of thinking about her audience. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the way that she, gets into their day, not just like their psychology. I think when we think about that as podcasters, I think about where, you know, does my podcast fit or what's the need that I'm addressing all that. But she's like granular into, okay, they wake up. The first thing they reach for is their phone. And so we're going to have first five that is like five minutes of whatever. Right. Like how, how did that, so how does that shape you? How do you think about all that stuff? So much, so much. I think that uh, again, you have to understand that, um, the doors that open for me, I wasn't trying to push open doors. I, there's not yeah. been a single door in my whole life that I've ever tried to push open. Actually, I've been trying to close some of them. And because of, <laughs> you know, insecurities yeah. that were tangled around my heart or the way that I was raised. And, and I think, oh, God, surely you would use this person over there. Um, what I love about Lisa as a friend and as a human is that she does think of other people. And one thing that she says that's really important is she says, you know, we tend to try to teach from where we're at or to speak or she said, but go back. Remember, 
where you were when you first started. You know, don't sit at a table. Don't sit at a lectern with a mic. Sit in the fields. Sit in the trenches with these women. And so I go back often, and I remember a young girl who didn't know Jesus, who was mad as fire at the world and at him who was hurting, um, who he rescued, (laughs) who he transformed, who he changed, who he molded and shaped and loved fiercely. And so if I can sit in that place with my friends as we talk about Jesus, he can do some really awesome things there. Because it's not about Susie Eller. It's not ever going to be about Susie Eller. It's about what he does, what he has done, and what he continues to do. Mm, Amen. I love that perspective. I think it's exactly the right one to have. And you know what? I can hear that in uh, prayer starters, right? I can hear the idea of you sitting with somebody in the, you know, next to a pond or wherever, wherever you're on a walk, you're just like, okay, let's, uh, here, this is just, so you have all these different, um, just they're short, they're paragraphs, right? Just yeah, a short paragraph. Starters that spring from a specific scripture. Yeah. And then there's uh and I love the way you do it at the end, like, okay, so, uh, like this one I'm looking at number 38, you fight for me. That's a really important concept, right? Yeah. At the end, it's just uh, today I release the space in my heart dedicated to that wrongdoing so that I can laugh and love and live again. Ellipsis, right? Dot, dot, dot. And there's a space to put in what's yeah. God moving in your heart, right? Yeah. And that's really that invitation, I think, to your reader to say, okay, where, God, where, where am I? Where, where yeah. do I? Yeah. Fit in this. Yeah. And this, this book is different than anything I've ever done. Uh, it, and it's actually something that I've done personally for years and years. And I've taught with women and talked. And again, it's not a formula to prayer. It's just not um, just show up is my formula to prayer. But what I wanted to do with this book is I didn't want to write a book about prayer. I wanted to write a book that would help us communicate with God through prayer connect with God through prayer. That was my heart for this book. And I was so thankful to my publisher because, uh, you know, I'm taking a wide berth away from what I normally do. And what I said to them is that we are in a culture where so many believers are embattled, are trying to figure out what's up and, and who do I trust? And Unfortunately, that tends to take us away from the intimacy of God and the power of who God is. Can I write a book that helps a woman, especially if she's in a hard season, connect with God right where she's at, whether that's 3 a.m. in the morning and she's reaching and she feels like she has no words or that's in her time in the morning or, or maybe she puts it in the hands of a friend because she says, I don't know how to help you, but I'm going to be present. And here's something that might help you talk to God because he loves, loves, loves you. So that was my heart for this book. It's part prayer journal, part power of the word, part creative connection with God. And it's, it's just different than anything I've ever done. And my prayer is that I can do a series of these. Um, I'm writing one right now, talking with God when you're in the midst of cancer. So um, oh, yeah. when, you're, when you're in those hard seasons, those hard places, 
you want to tell God all the things. But sometimes words are hard to find when you're in a storm. So yeah. my, my, my prayer is that this would be a help, just a gentle come along help in that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think those are the kind of resources that we need. I mentioned earlier, I felt, I feel like being taught to pray isn't really prioritized a lot of times. We yeah. don't get that. Um, and so I think you're doing that with this book by coming alongside and saying, okay, this, just, just do this, show up, you know, if you show up, I don't, I don't even know how, how many are in here. Uh, there's 90 prayer starters. 90, and then yeah. We take it deeper at the end of that. After every five, we go a little bit deeper. We have times where we look back to see where God has met us in prayer and we celebrate those things. So it's very interactive, very personal. Yeah. So, I mean, friends, just imagine if you showed up 90 times and just <laughs> had these prayer prayer prompts and just see what God does, right? Just see where, where he is uh, with you. You know, this is all about what we do here at Halfway There is always about the journey. Wherever you are on the journey is okay. So yeah. what if you showed up and figured that out through reading uh, and praying kind of with Susie in, in by getting prayer starters? I love it. I think that's great. Susie, I really appreciate you sharing a little bit of your story here and go and just some of how you wrestled with God and, um, you know, the ways that he's led you to, to these things. I, I just hear your, uh, humble spirit and the ways that you are encouraging us to, to walk with him in that humility, I think is really awesome. So thank you very much. Is there anything you want to leave us with? You know, I just, for that person who maybe she has thought somehow that the fact that she doesn't have words uh, makes her less desirable to God. I would just say to you that he is running after you. <laughs> he is pursuing you. He is, he longs to talk to you and you don't have to have the perfect words. Um, just turn, turn into that love and uh, let the connection begin. Amen. Friends, you can find Susie at her website, which is uh, SuzanneEller.com. Is that right? Yes, with a Z. SuzanneEller.com. With a Z. SuzanneEller.com. Uh, you can find her there. In fact, you can find uh, both her books, both of her podcasts, or all, all of her books, I should say, and both of her uh, podcasts there. That's the best place to go. And of course, if uh, you know need to just remember it, you can go to halfwaythereapodcast.com. We've got links, everything you need there. Susie, thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I have loved it.